So I can be able to go home tomorrow. Daddy's going to be so excited. That killed him. funny and there's uh, several more of those out there in that same uh, commercial series that are just as funny don't judge too quickly you're probably wondering how in the world am i going to make that apply to anything right i had to think a long time no not really um don't judge too quickly you know what we have a tendency at times to judge people too quickly don't we and you know what else we do we often judge people by the wrong criteria don't we? The, uh, if you uh, were here last week, you probably saw here at Mariner a lot of uh, signs posted around. It was uh, student election time, and they were running for class officers and student government and all those kinds of things. My guess is that on Tuesday, when most of the students cast their ballots, their, their vote wasn't based on character or the ability to do the job. I'm guessing that most students cast their votes based on popularity. What name did they know? Who had given out the best uh, bribes? Uh, I've heard stories of bagels that were passed out before school started and things like that. That was, that was the basis of why they voted probably, in a lot of cases at least. And you know what? As adults, we've been guilty of the same thing at times, haven't we? In fact, if you look back over the history of our country, there probably have been several presidents that had been elected in our country, not based on their character or their ability to do the job, but based on their charisma and their big promises. But when the Bible talks about us selecting shepherds or elders to lead our church, it says nothing about popularity or charisma. The only thing the Bible talks about is character. And this morning, I want to spend a few minutes talking about the kinds of people that ought to lead our church as shepherds or elders. Last week, we began this process because we are about to uh, turn the page of history here at Crosspoint. And for the first time in just a couple of weeks, we are going to have shepherds or elders that will begin to spiritually give guidance to our church. And so last week, we spent several minutes talking about the role of a shepherd. What is a shepherd, as we have chosen uh, to use that term most prominently, what is the role of a shepherd or an elder? What are they supposed to do? And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week and missed that message, uh, go online to our website or to our podcast on iTunes and listen. Because I, I want to make sure that everybody who uh, is a part of Crosspoint hears these two messages and knows exactly uh, has a clear understanding of what shepherds are going to do. Uh, a couple of questions that uh, came up last week as a result of the things that we talked about. Uh, some people asked questions about, well, why this analogy of the sheep? And again, let me just kind of reiterate, it is the primary or one of the primary analogies or metaphors that God uses throughout the Bible to describe our relationship with Him. Throughout the Bible, He describes Himself as our shepherd. And uh, later, it does the same with Jesus. And the fact that they are the shepherds who care for us. And then a little later in the Bible, it talks about the fact that after Jesus had left this earth, that He has entrusted the spiritual care or the spiritual guidance of the church to shepherds who care for the flock. 
So the follow-up question to that from some people was, Jeff, are you implying then that we're just a bunch of dumb people? And my answer to that is no and yes. No in this sense. No, I am not implying that we're just a bunch of dumb people in general. We have been given by God incredible creativity and knowledge and smarts and we make good decisions. We are smart people. But spiritually, oftentimes, we can be rather dumb. And we need the guidance of God our shepherd and Jesus our shepherd to guide our lives and to help us make good spiritual decisions. And we at times need the guidance here on earth of shepherds who will help us to make sure that we are doing the things that will help us to grow in our relationship with Jesus. And the Bible says that we need that kind of help. So today I want to spend a few minutes talking about the kinds of people that the Bible says ought to be shepherds in the church. What kinds of characteristics ought they to have? And to do that, I want to look at one passage of Scripture this morning, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so if you brought your Bible, and I hope that you did, I want to encourage you to take it out right now. I want you to look at this with me because we're going to dig around in here a little bit. And I hope maybe you even go home and read over this uh, on your own and think back through the things that we talk about. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, here's what we read. And I'm just going to read it, and uh, then we'll go back and kind of dig around in a little bit. Here is a trustworthy saying that, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, or which is another word for elder or shepherd, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer or shepherd must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now, let me start by pointing out a couple of general things about this list of qualities. First, I don't think uh, that it was intended to be a checklist of items, that this was a list of specifications. And here's why. I don't think that there will ever could be a shepherd who would actually do every single one of these things every minute of their life fully and completely. I don't know of anyone who could do every one of these things all of the time consistently without ever dropping the ball. I've never met anyone like that. The other thing about making this the checklist is that there are other things that the Bible talks about that should be characteristic of a leader in the church, but if we concentrate just on this checklist, we'll forget about those other important issues. So I don't think it was intended to be a checklist like that. In fact... Paul uses a literary device here that we find in other forms of literature written around the same time in history. And this literary device Paul uses to paint some broad strokes about the kind of person that a shepherd ought to be. By the way, I happened across this this week. Here is a confidential report that someone has made on several candidates being considered for positions of leadership in a church. Um, Adam. 
good man, but problems with his wife. Also, one reference told of how his wife and he enjoy walking nude in the woods. Here's another guy for leadership, Noah. Former pastorate of 120 years without one single convert. Prone to unrealistic building ideas. Joseph, big thinker, but a braggart. Believes in dream interpreting and has a prison record. Elijah, prone to depression, collapses under pressure. Hosea, a tender and loving pastor, but our people could never handle his wife's occupation. If you don't know what that is, go home and read Hosea and you'll know what she did. John says he's a Baptist, but definitely doesn't dress like one. Has slept in the outdoors for months on end, has a weird diet, and provokes denominational leaders. Peter, too blue-collar, has a bad temper, even has been known to curse, had a big run-in with Paul in Antioch. The point being, we don't ever, nobody can live up perfectly to this checklist of items. Here's another reason that I don't think, another generality that we need to understand about this list. These qualities that are mentioned here, you can find every single one of them talked about in other places in the New Testament. But in the other places that they are talked about, they aren't directed just at shepherds in the church. They are talked about for all Christ followers. These character qualities ought to be something that anyone who is following Jesus ought to be pursuing in their life. Let me illustrate that. Paul says here that a shepherd ought to be the husband of but one wife. Talking about sexual purity. Jesus, one day, when He was teaching a crowd of people of all kinds, said this, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus said all Christ followers ought to be pursuing sexual purity. Paul says that uh, a shepherd in the church ought to be self-controlled. But Paul himself, a little bit later, talking to a group of Christ followers, says this, but since we belong to the day, or since we are Christ followers, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Paul says that a shepherd ought to not be violent, but ought to be gentle. Paul himself, later speaking to a group of Christ followers, says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Paul says that a shepherd in the church should not be a lover of money. And just a couple of paragraphs later in this same letter, speaking more generally to Christ followers, he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And we could do that with every single one of these character qualities that's listed here. They are qualities that all of us who are Christ followers should be pursuing in our lives. And so when we look at this list that applies to shepherds, we need to realize that they ought to be generally true of their life, but no one will be perfect. No one will be without flaws. So what are the characteristics that ought to be true of a shepherd. I want to use three words to kind of describe some broad categories that uh, Paul addresses here in this. First, look at verse 1 again. Paul says, here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. 
So the first word I want to use is motivated. A shepherd in the church ought to be motivated. Now, not a self-seeking kind of motivation that grows out of selfish desires. You see, a shepherd is not one who is looking for popularity or power or praises or prestige. Now, they, they have a more noble kind of motivation. A motivation that seeks the glory of God as they seek to serve people. They are motivated by something that is more pure. They are motivated by doing what God has called them to do. And I can tell you this morning that that's the kind of motivation that every one of the guys who are going to be shepherds at Crosspoint have. They are motivated by their desire to shepherd the people of God. Now, all of them in their lives realize that God is calling them to do this. But I want to tell you this morning in conversations with them, there is not one of them that feels worthy of the position that they're being called to. And I think that's a good place to be. Because when we're in that place, God gets a lot done and God gets all of the credit. And that's a good thing. The second broad category that we could talk about that Paul lays out here is that of experience. A shepherd in the church ought to have experience in several categories. First, they ought to have experience in walking with Jesus themselves. Listen to what verse 6 says. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Paul says they should not be a recent convert. That The words recent convert or new convert could actually be literally translated a new convert plant. They are not to be a new plant. Um, There is a uh, shopping plaza just across the street uh, from where our offices are here in the Cape. And uh, it's a relatively new shopping plaza. It's where A.C. Moore is and what used to be Circuit City and uh, some other stores in there and restaurants. And, you know, when they built that just a short time ago, they planted lots of trees and shrubs And I noticed this week that the landscaping company was out there with a trailer full of new plants because obviously a lot of the plants they had originally planted died. For whatever reason, they they never were healthy. And so they were pulling those now dead plants out and replacing them with some new ones. You know what? New plants don't always make it, do they? And new plants need a lot of time and care and attention. And Paul says that somebody who is going to be a leader in the church should not be a new plant. They should not be a recent convert. They should have been walking with Jesus for a while because all of us need time to grow. We need attention and care before we're ready to step into this kind of role. Their experience with Jesus ought to be translated into into a couple of things. They should be very comfortable in their relationship with Jesus Comfortable enough that they are willing to invite other people to also have a relationship with Jesus. Their experience in walking with Jesus should translate into the idea that they are comfortable having a long conversation with God. And they should be able to model for other people how they can have conversations with their friend God as well. A second thing that I think that Paul points out that shepherds ought to have experience in, they ought to have experience in guiding their family. Listen to what he says uh, in verse 2 and then verses 4 and 5. He says, Now the overseer must be the husband of but one wife, 
In verse 4 he says, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? A shepherd should be a man who really loves his wife and is fully committed to their lifelong covenant relationship. A shepherd should not be one who has eyes for any other woman. And there should be nothing in their life to suggest that they have eyes for any other women. Which, by the way, guys, that really ought to be true of any of us that are married. We ought to be fully committed to our lifelong covenant relationship with our wife. A shepherd also ought to have experience in guiding their children as a part of their family. They should model for their children the priority that God has in their life. They should be able, as the spiritual leader of their family, to be able to say to their wife and to their children, you follow me as I follow Jesus. Another area that they ought to have experience in, they ought ought to have experience in loving people. They ought to love God's people. A shepherd ought to be someone who is approachable. Someone that is sensitive to the needs of people. Someone that is not conceited. They ought to genuinely care about people and desire to get involved in the lives of people and sometimes to really lean into the people's lives who need their help and their guidance. Another thing that shepherds ought to have experience in, they ought to have experience in talking about Jesus. It ought to be a natural thing for them in their life to talk about their relationship with Jesus Christ. They should have a desire to talk about Jesus with people in our community. It ought to just flow out of them. Now, Peter describes, or I'm sorry, Paul says here, the term he uses is able to teach. And I think it simply is the idea that in a variety of all kinds of settings, a shepherd ought to be able to talk about their relationship with Jesus, about their faith, about the Bible and what it needs. Not that they'll be able to answer all the questions that people may ask. But in general, they will be comfortable talking about Jesus and about their faith and what it means to really follow Jesus. So a shepherd will be motivated by a call from God. They will have experience. And third, a shepherd will be a man of character. And Peter, Paul, I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep doing that in this service. Paul uh, describes several issues about character in verses 2 and 3. He says this, Now, the overseer must be above reproach. He ought to be temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. He should not be given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Now, there are quite a few character issues there, aren't they? And we could spend a lot of time talking about every single one of those, all worthy character qualities of all of our lives. But let me just kind of summarize these character issues this way. A shepherd ought to be someone who has consistent character. Consistent enough that we feel comfortable placing our trust in them. They ought to demonstrate self-control. Self-control with their temper. Self-control with their appetites. Self-control with their money. A shepherd ought to demonstrate some discipline in their lives. 
They ought to be disciplined especially about their own Bible study, about their own prayer life. They ought to be disciplined about actions in their lives and careful not to be involved in things that don't bring honor to God. A shepherd ought to be a man of integrity. What they say, their words, we ought to be able to trust. They ought to be true to their words. They ought to demonstrate over and over again in their business dealings and in their relationships and in every sphere of life. They ought to demonstrate that they are a man of integrity so that we feel comfortable placing our trust in them. God says the kinds of people that are our leaders are vitally important. Do you know why that is? Because John MacArthur said this. He said, what leaders are, the people become. What leaders are, the people become. God said it this way in the book of Hosea, like priest, like people. Jesus said it this way in John in Luke chapter 6. He said, a student is not better than the teacher, but the student who has been fully trained will be like the teacher or like that leader. I like the way the message translation has the same verse. It says, an apprentice doesn't lecture the master. The point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher or as your leader. The Bible is really clear about this. The Bible says it is really important that we are careful who we choose to follow. And the Bible teaches that the spiritual level of people never rises above the spiritual level of those who lead and those who teach. And so we ought to be careful that we choose to follow leaders who have a growing spiritual walk with God. So that as they grow, they will take us with them in their growth. That's why God says this role of being a shepherd is so important. And He says that someone who's going to be a shepherd should be called by God and motivated by that call. That they should have the right kind of experience. And they ought to be a man of character. Uh, Joshua Bell got off of a subway one day in Washington, D.C. at the the metro stop. He was wearing jeans and a long t-shirt and a Washington Nationals baseball cap. He went over kind of against the the wall and opened up his violin case, took out his violin. He threw some loose change and a couple of dollars into the, the violin case as some seed money. And then he began to play incredibly beautiful music, the music of Mozart and other authors, composers. And he just played away for about 45 minutes that day there in the subway. And while he was there, literally nearly a thousand people passed by, most of them paying little or no attention to Joshua Bell. What the people didn't realize is that a master violinist was playing for them who just a couple of weeks before had sold out the symphony hall in Boston, tickets valued at $100 a seat. They didn't realize that he was playing a a rare violin worth nearly $3 million. They didn't recognize what was right there in front of them and they just passed by with little, paying a little attention to Him. He made $32 that day from 27 people who threw some money into his violin. 
But nobody else really even paid attention. And they didn't recognize a master at work. When we look at the lives of a shepherd, we ought to be able to recognize that the Master, Jesus, is at work in their lives. Not that they'll be perfect. Not that they will be without flaws. But it ought to be unmistakable that the Master, Jesus, is working away in their lives and transforming them into the kind of person that God wants them to be. And you know what else is true? Every person who encounters us, if we are a Christ follower, ought to see the same thing in our lives. It ought to be clearly recognizable to people around us that the Master, Jesus, is at work in my heart and that He is at work in your heart. And that in the life of every one of us, He is slowly but surely transforming us into exactly who He desires us to be. It ought to be unmistakable to people around us. But here's a question I think all of us have to answer for ourselves. First, am I letting Jesus really work to transform me? And maybe for a lot of us, the question before that even is, do I have Jesus in my life? Have I ever invited Him to come into my heart, to be a part of my life, to lead me through His Spirit, to come into my life and to forgive me of all of my sins, to wash all of my mistakes of the past away, to wipe the slate clean so that He can begin His transforming work in my life? That's the first step. And then the second step is for all of us to continually peer into our own lives and to ask, Is the Master at work on me today? Let's pray together. God, I want Jesus to be at work in my life. And God, I want Jesus to be at work in our church. As He raises up and calls shepherds to lead us. God, I pray for every guy who will be one of our shepherds. That God, the transforming work of Jesus will continue to be evident in their lives as they lead us. And God, as they continue to grow in You, they will call all of us to continue to grow as well. And God, together, You will continue to work in our hearts and in our church that transforming power so that it will be unmistakably clear that we are becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Father, thank You for how You work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.